With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through it together or not. Everything is so dumb, 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 What's allegedly biting White House aides, my Joe Biden's German shepherd, Poorly trained dog. Rest I mean, or just an excited so puppy. There's... We don't know the extent of the biting. <laughs> and uh, the the Oval Poffus Twitter account has come out to yeah, say that yeah. there was no God. bite. So this is a real mystery. Um, yeah, the unofficial like dog parody account yes, of the president's yes. dogs. Yes, it's horrible. God, God I hate um, everything that just got said. I, I, yep. I should. I will state for the record a couple of things. Number one, regardless of what happened, um, Joe Biden's dogs have done nothing wrong because they're no, dogs. Because they're good, dogs. Good, good boys and girls. Yes. Very good. Yes. Um, good puppies. It, was not it a great cha- place for a German Champ Shepherd. Was it, the White House. Or was it major? It was major. It was so it's major, the new allegedly. one, the baby, the baby. Well, and also, cool. you know. German Shepherds are guard dogs, and yeah. they are slow to warm up to people. If you have a friend with a German Shepherd, you know this, that it takes them some time to get acclimated to you, because that's what they're for. They're supposed to protect people. They're little not nugget good. had a lot of people around and maybe yeah. got yeah. overexcited. Right. Yeah. Well, then don't bring it to the White House. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's a bad don't bring the little nugget to, to the White House. Like, it's just like, it's like we... We did a lot of. We had a lot. Of, everyone had a lot of fun about like how Donald Trump doesn't have dogs and what does that say about him and stuff. But like, just don't bring your dog to the White House. Or if no, you're like for, I your, for this performative, like I yeah. mean, if it's I disagree. I think maybe this dog is. I think there's types of dogs incident. like boxers. I'm sure would do well at the White House because they just want to be surrounded by people all the time. Um, 
a German Shepherd is not the kind of dog I would bring into. I that don't sort think of we need to keep be it in the I don't think we need to pick a breed about it, but I mean, like you're gonna say Corgi, aren't you? No, I'm not gonna say Corgi. I was gonna say <laughs> you're gonna say Corgi. I was gonna, gonna say, say sometimes corgi. if strange people come into my space and I don't like them, I bite people all I the bite time. Absolutely, too is what yeah. I'm saying. I taught my dog to bite. I yeah. say bite me and it nibbles on my finger. So That's I guess not quite true. All I'm That's saying is Anderson would fuck a bitch up. So like you, just like Everybody's- you know, take live with your dog, but don't put them in situations where it will be bad. There this, we go. Um, Maybe a intro, high traffic. Is this this intro belies the um seriousness of our interview we have coming up. Yes. It, it, <laughs> this episode fake is out. going to be mostly about anti Asian American violence in the United States. Uh, we have a great interview um, on that subject. Uh, first, before we go into that, I want to make a quick note about some folks who could really use help. Uh, the Tenacious Unicorn Ranch is a ranch, uh, an alpaca ranch in southern Colorado that is also something of a sanctuary for trans people. Um, and their existence uh, was, I discovered maybe the wrong word, but a bunch of local bigots and militia people realize that they exist and have been threatening them, breaking into their property at night, armed, um, sending them death threats, making it unsafe for them to go out in the community nearby. They're attempting to mobilize resources. Um, They have some volunteers who are coming over to help uh, already and sending some things. Um, But they have a GoFundMe that has currently raised about $41,000 of its $100,000 goal uh, to both better secure the property and to provide them with resources since it's not super safe for them to work in the immediate surrounding area right now. Um, hopefully, hopefully they'll be able to get past this. But I wanted to plug their GoFundMe. If you just type into Google GoFundMe, help our Trans Haven Alpaca Ranch grow phase two. Uh, again, that's GoFundMe, help our Trans Haven Alpaca Ranch grow phase two. Uh, if you have some bucks to spare to throw towards it, uh, what they're doing is really great, and they could use your help. We'll be talking to them soon, I hope. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of direct some yeah. resources there. If people, if you have, you know, um, anything to spare. Yeah, thank you, Robert. Uh, and we can share that on our social media too. Yes. All right, let's hear about violent racism. All right. Um. So we are. This is. Uh, worst year ever, which you already know, because we will have already in- introduced the show at this point. Uh, I'm a train wreck at the moment, and we're no off one... to a great start. We're, no, we're you're high speed incredible. rail. You're fine. Yeah, I, think I love you guys. High are speed great. rail. Everybody's hmm? great. Thank you. Nobody's nobody's good. Nobody's good. I know. But I you know who great. is good? Everybody's great. Exactly. I said great, Robert. <laughs> Thank you. Well, speaking of great, our guest today is great. Um. His, we're going to talk with him about the uh, terrifying surge in uh, anti-Asian hate crimes in the United States. Um, he His name is Christopher Wong, uh, but if you're on Twitter, you probably better know him as the Ice Must Be Destroyed guy, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is your legal name, right? That's on your driver's <laughs> license and, and social security card, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's slightly awkward at family gatherings because every time... You know, normal name, normal name. Ice must be destroyed, dude. Yeah, I mean, you are from the <laughs> Northampton. Ice must be destroyed, right? Like, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christopher, um, that was a fun intro, but this is not a fun topic, and it's something that, yeah. like, yeah. Sorry, Cody. Um, oh, it's okay. it's okay. it's more hate crimes, and I don't know, maybe terrorism, light terrorism. I don't know. I don't know where the line is here. 
Um, this is a subject that I think we're all kind of aware of the edges on, which is why I brought Christopher on because he's he's been doing a deeper dive on this. But um, yeah, it I, I think if you've been paying any attention to kind of the news lately, you've caught bits and pieces of, and it seems like a lot of it's kind of driven by COVID nineteen. But there have been has been a really unsettling rise in hate crimes against um, particularly elderly Asian Americans. Um, so yeah, Christopher, do you want to just kind of uh, talk about what you found in your research into this because it's it's not something I've seen a really solid, comprehensive mm-hmm. um, article on yet. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm really I, I'm I'm interested to learn kind of the dimensions of this problem as it exists right now. Yeah, so let let let's start let's start in 2020 because a lot of a lot of what's happening now is a, is, is a direct product of a lot of stuff that happened at the v- the very beginning of the year when COVID had sort of just started. And what you saw basically was instead of, you know, doing the thing any, the, the government was supposed to do, which is, hey, we should prepare for this plague. Everyone saw the pandemic and went, aha, this is our moment. We've got it. We've finally got the CCP over a fire. Right. And, and you know, what, what, what starts happening there is you get... Almost immediately, people calling it the China flu. You get the Wuhan flu. Yeah. You get, like the, the the more racist variations of it, like the Kung flu. Um, very quickly, a bunch of stories start circulating about how this is uh, because of wet markets, and this is all this sort of fear mongering about Chinese people eating bats, and it's you know it's really terrifying. And you know this this spreads very very quickly to a lot of people who are incredibly powerful and who have enormous platforms. Uh, Donald Trump does this a lot. He actually, it takes a surprisingly long time for him to say Kung flu, like it takes like eight months, but you know, he's talking about the China flu and the Wuhan flu and the, the Chinese flu almost immediately. Uh, there, there was, there was a social media study done of people who were pushing it. Uh, Tom Cotton, by far the worst. Uh, also, Bill Haggerty, sort of surprisingly making it in there at basically number three after Cotton and Trump. Yeah, but you know, this 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 spreads like wildfire across the sort of right wing media. Tucker Carlson's obsessed with it. Uh, people yep. on this, people on Fox News are doing the bad stuff, and you know, but but you know, the, the disturbing part of this is that a lot of sort of liberals get in on it, and the, the liberals there's some people doing the concern trolling about oh, it's okay to call it the China flu because it's just geographically where it's from. Yeah, but mm-hmm. because yeah, calling yeah. the the last influenza pandemic the Spanish flu had no consequences whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This will be Americans are totally not racist. This will be completely mm-hmm. fine. And also, that started you know, in Kansas, by the way. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, and there's there's a the, the sort of China washer community like Spalding gets in on it really quickly. Um, and there, there's a particularly, I guess you could call it a, a Western conception of nationalism that's spread across the entire world where. It, it works by sort of conflating just the people who live under a state, the state itself, and then those people's race. And so all the attacks, and you know, a lot of liberals thought they were just attacking the CCP. But, but you know, what turns out to happen is that everyone reads this basically as an attack on all Chinese people. And, you know, and then because racists are not very smart and essentially don't care, this very quickly turns into a whole bunch of attacks against just any Asian person anyone can get their hands on. So in in 2020, I mean, this is and I, I need to, I need to make this clear. This is a very very partial list. There have been we we have no idea how many attacks there's actually been. 
Um, the Stop API Hate, which has been the people, the activist group has been tracking these since they they started in March twenty uh, twenty. So they missed a lot of the early attacks too. Uh, they've recorded like two thousand eight hundred incidences of sort of either racist rhetoric or attacks, a hundred physical attacks. Um, one of the first ones. There's so there's a bunch of it's like several stabbings in February. There's one one of the first ones that caught the news was actually in April. Uh, a woman was just going back to her apartment, and these two men poured acid on her face. Jesus. Uh, where, yeah. Where, where, where was this? This this was where, in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's another. Uh, I guess we, we can jump to the, the second Brooklyn one. Uh, New York has been an epicenter of this violence. Uh, and, July 14th, 2020, and this is another one of the points where you start getting attention to it, even though it's been happening for like six months by this point. Uh, an Asian American woman is lit on fire in Brooklyn. There's, in, in Midland, Texas on March 14th, a guy just stabs a family. There's these two children, one of them is age two and one of them age six, and this guy just stabs them and he's yelling about how, quote, he, he thought the family was Chinese and infecting people with the virus. You know, there's in California, uh, the, you know, some of these are just aren't drawn from news reports because nobody even covered it. But I mean, there is there is someone who had a report of a white family tried to like run them over, like they were on the sidewalk and they drove their car up on the curve to run them over when they saw their Chinese. This this continues <sighs> through 2020. It, it it kind of sort of seemed to be slowing down towards the end of the year, and then 2021 started and everything just kicked up again. Uh. You know, on, on February fourth, there's a, a this and this this is going to be another one of the trends. Like one of the most common things is you have elderly Asian people just sort of walking around, just going for their homes, just you know trying trying to go about their lives, and people will just run up and shove them to the ground, just push them over. Um, and on January twenty seventh, a man named Vicharadanapakti, who's eighty four years old, is Thai. He's He's a grandfather, and he gets pushed to the ground and killed. Jesus. And where yeah, was that? This is in San Francisco. San Francisco. Uh, there's there's a very yeah. similar incident in Oakland, in Chinatown, uh, from a 91-year-old dude who thankfully survived. But that, this, the same person attacks, like, three other people. Um, actually, and there's I think the, the earliest this year was the day before the Capitol riots. Uh, in Oakland, an Asian woman got shot in the face with a flare gun. Wow. Jesus. Ugh. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, there's, there's all of, yeah, it, it's horrific. It, you know, the the, the sort of, I mean, and like just the range of violence, like. Yeah, the different methods and stuff. Like, one of the things this is saying to me is that it, it definitely seems like a situation where COVID is the excuse, not the cause. Yeah. Because it would be one thing if these were all just, like, people yelling at, like, like yelling out, like, racist shit about COVID and then, like, throwing a punch. But, like, acid flares like that's that's somebody who's thought a lot about doing the specific kind of racist violence and wanted to yeah. do it in the cruelest way possible yeah yeah i've been thinking a lot about that like how we're seeing this now but these seeds have been around for so very long and yeah. and it's such a huge topic to unpack but it's an important Obviously, it's an important one right now, but we're having these conversations, a, a real conversation about racial reckoning and and, you know, Black Lives Matter. And um, throughout the summer, through all of this, it's it's felt very hard because it feels like that if we're having a conversation about Black Lives Matter, which is, of course, 
its own thing, its own entity, but we need to be having these other conversations as well because racism against one group affects all, you know, it's all very interlocked. Sorry, that's a well, bit of a tangent here. No, but. I mean, but in and like like racism in the United States against uh, uh, black people, there are systemic a- aspects to it. I mean, this exactly. goes back. We've talked about this on Behind the Bastards a couple of times, but there have been there have been like eliminationist tendencies against Asian immigrants in the United States going back to the late seventeen, early eighteen hundreds. You know, this is yeah. this is as old as the country is. And there is the the. The myth, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, the phrase, but the myth of the model migrant, you know, and how a lot of times. Model uh, minority. Model minority. Thank you. And I'm sure you could speak more to this. But that setting up of pitting different races against each other, you know, as to who can be the most American. Um, Anyway, it's it's a lot to unpack. Yeah, I think. Well, one one thing I I need to get out of the way. Uh, Please, I am begging you all. For for the love of God, do not do not under under any circumstances do not use the hashtag Asian Lives Matter. Just do not. Just don't say that, it. That's so. That's a thing that started happening. Yeah, pe- huh? people people oh, have been doing this. God. Do not do this. It is is disrespectful. It's yeah. frankly yeah. racist against black people. <laughs> yeah. And you know and the other thing. There, there's there's a lot of stuff about how you know the, this this sort of. It, it, it sort of it turns activism into this sort of like trend. It's like oh, one month is just lives, and next month is like no, no, no. This is this is not how those things works. And the other thing that's very important about this is that it specifically screws over Black Asians mm-hmm. who are having a terrible time. And you know, especially globally, like you know, one one of the things that's been happening in the last. I mean, this this is a struggle that's been going on for half a century. But you know, specifically in the last two three years, is uh, the struggle in West Papua against. You know, uh, the, like West Papua is a colonial possession of Indonesia. The Indonesian police have been just murdering people in the streets. The Indonesian army has been deployed there because people have been, you know, trying to trying to break free of this colonial army. And, and you know, when when, when you're doing when, when you're doing this sort of like Asian Lives Matter stuff, you're screwing over them. You're screwing over. You know, just just don't just don't. Like, please, God, yeah. I'm begging you all, stop. <laughs> don't do this. I mean that's yeah. that's deeply frustrating. Um yeah. but also like I guess not surprising I hadn't heard of that going around. Um and I you know this that's it's a problem that like I guess we run into every time we're reminded in the United States of the different kind of um the different sorts of, of bigotry and violence faced by different uh different ethnic groups is this like there will always be people who try to um, I don't know, lump everybody in the same basket just because they're all facing some sort of bigotry and violence, which uh, yeah, it's kind of like I've been hearing a lot of complaints about the term BIPOC um, from black activists that I follow and about how we're like, we we don't want to be like, I, I, I'm not BIPOC, I'm black. Don't I don't want to be lumped in because I'm I'm trying to speak to specific problems that my community is facing. And I feel like this is kind of, a liberal way of just throwing us all together in in one lump as if, you know. Um anyway, I, I I've been thinking a lot about that. Obviously I'm I'm uh the whitest guy ever, so I don't um <laughs> I, I don't want to be like throwing my own opinion out there because it doesn't matter on this, but I'm I'm try- I'm trying to listen and understand that and it 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 what you're saying makes a great deal of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well and you know that that sort of ties back to, to the origin of Asian American as a term, which you know, it, it, almost no one like in the Asian community even sort of remembers this because 
so so the, the the term itself was created by a bunch of activists who were it was largely student activists in the 60s who were sort of they were reacting to the war in Vietnam they were reacting to the national liberation struggles and they wanted to sort of they wanted to have this term that could pull all of the different sort of uh, different Asian groups together to sort of you know like we, we the, the, the the thought behind it was that you know the whole this is this is the moment of the, the third world movement and this 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 attempt to sort of pull all of the sort of Asian peoples together and you know and it was also directly in solidarity with the revolutions in places like Algeria and the sort of revolutions happening all over Africa mm-hmm. and you know the thought is that all these people are going to walk into the future together with you know this this is this is how we're, we're all going to free ourselves by fighting alongside with each other and this you know this kind of collapses because I mean one 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 of the big problems is that okay so. If you're you, you know you're you're a Chinese person, you're a Vietnamese person, right? What what do you do when China and Vietnam go to war in 1978 and 1979? Like that that whole thing sort of implodes, and no one yeah. you know, and, and it gets to the point where no one even remembers the origins of it, right? And and now it's sort of weird because that that politics that was pulling all of these groups together is gone. Like it, it's basically imploded. There are people who will tell you it's still around. It's it's not. It's it's dead. And so the, the only things that Asian Americans, you know, especially when you when you sort of lump Pacific Islander in there, the only thing we have in common is that white people want to kill us. Like that's it. That that's the whole. That's you know that that's the whole source of like the term Asian American is we're from vaguely over there and they want us dead. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really grim in a lot of ways. In a, in every way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's, that we just you're right bleak. a lumping together. A wide swath of people under one term that have wildly different experiences yeah. and backgrounds, yeah. and yet we just say you're uh, yes, yeah, the I mean, Asian you know, American the, community. Yeah, the, the, there's also so I I will say there, there, I think there is you know I, there's there's a lot of debate over whether you should whether we should keep using it or abandoning it, but you know w- one of the things it does track though is that yeah you know one of the big things that Asian Americans have in common is that their countries have been invaded by the U.S. Okay. And so, and, and you and you can tr- a you lot can of people have this. that. In that common. sounds like yeah. trauma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's a generally non-American yeah. experience. <laughs> but you know, I mean, and you you can actually track this in the in the victims of these killings. Like, so one of the people who I didn't uh, I didn't mention the first time is Noel Quintana, who's a 61 year old Filipino man who was slashed across the face with a knife. Um, Jesus. you know, yeah, it, it, you know, the, the the Philippines is one of the like you know the, the U.S. U.S. occupies the Philippines for half a century, fights this unbelievably brutal war. They kill 200, somewhere between 200,000 and a million people. They have concentration camps. And, you know, so while, while the U.S. is there, they're in the Philippines and they go, hold on, wait, we have troops here. We can use this to invade China. And so they do during the Boxer Rebellion. It's originally this thing. It's like, oh, we're going we're gonna to put troops here to safeguard Americans. And then that turns into uh, the U.S. like breaking down the gates of the inner city in Beijing and, you know, and you can keep yeah, doing Yeah, we brought this. up so, democracy or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. Brought, we brought them... So we, 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 uh, we, we reinstalled the emperor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's great. The it's democratically great. elected democratically. emperor. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and this could, like, there is another... The, the, I think this is the most recent... I, I could be wrong about this because, again, these, these attacks keep happening. One of the most recent ones was there's a Japanese woman who was... Just beaten unconscious with a rock, like a, a, apparently a Good rock God. and a sock, just like smashed Good her face in. God, she's like attacked her boyfriend too. Yeah, and you know, okay, so Japan, we nuked them. We did Japanese internment. 
the uh, Vicha Ratnapaktis from Thailand. In Thailand, we... Well, okay, so we, we didn't actually invade Thailand. We just allied with their... Like yeah, military their, dictatorship their, strapped their military to military dictatorship. Yeah, you know, and we we te- we that tested was, um, war crimes on peasants. Tomato, tomato. Mm. Yeah, that wasn't no. Yeah. Suharto was Indonesia, right? Who no, so the... yeah, Suharto. Uh, yeah, su- yeah, yeah. But you know, one of the, you know one of the things that like Charles Murray winds up working for the uh, uh, of, of, of Charles Murray of notable wrote the bell curve fame yeah. winds up working yeah. for the Thai government. And you know, and I want to put this what? out: the Thai government is so evil that them working with the bell curve guy like reflects badly on Murray. Like that—that's that, how bad the Thai government is in this period. And horrible. Like, yeah, you know, and this is this is the kind of violence that is being inflicted. And you know, and part of what we're seeing here is American sort of geopolitics reflects back on people in the United States, and th- this is a big thing. And this has been one of the big the big sources of the violence we're seeing now is because again of the, the sort of nationalist conflation of the state, the race, and the, just the people who live there, right? All all of the China COVID stuff, and then all of the sort of increasing tensions with China. There's there's no actual not nothing on the American state side will ever be done against China, right? Like ever, it doesn't matter yeah. what you think is good or bad, it will and happen. And this is one of the things that frustrates me so much about like the the tankies kind of some of the, some of yeah. the people on the far left who want to pretend that like nothing's being done to the that the, the Chinese government isn't doing anything terrible to the Uyghurs or whatever where it's like this is just warmongering I mean, people are trying to drum up interest for to to invade China it's like no one's going to invade yeah. China <laughs> yeah. like you know, like, like there's, you know, like China's nuclear weapons, but like even when they didn't have nuclear weapons, the USSR, they, they had a bunch of war plans for yeah. for invading China, and and they figured they couldn't do it because even with nuclear weapons, they couldn't kill enough of the population to stop like human wave attacks. Like, and the USSR is literally right on the Chinese border. There's no war between the U.S. and China, and the the other reason is because the Chinese and American ruling classes are completely intertwined. Like, Absolutely. China owns 1.1 trillion dollars of American bonds. Like, you know, they've 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 invested a trillion dollars in making sure that the American economy keeps running, right? Because because you know they they uh, all all American Chinese supply chains are completely integrated. Um, the Chinese manufacturing sector is based on making sure that the American dollar is worth way more than you know than the Chinese currencies, and you know, but you know, so what what is the result of this, right? There, there's no, not there. There's constant sort of ramping up of rhetoric about China, right? But nothing will ever be done because, again, the, the American Chinese ruling classes are intertwined. So, yeah. what happens? The, the people who pay for that, and and, and both 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 Democrats and Republicans do this, right? They do this sort of like here's our cheap shot at China thing, right? You know, and it's like sometimes it's like China is doing horrible stuff. A lot of times, like like Joe Biden, for example, a, a couple of weeks ago made this unbelievably racist joke about uh, the name, uh, Hu Jintao, who was the, the former uh, Chinese president's name. Yeah, no one reported on it. No one. It was basically, not, there were two tweets from reporters. The press corps did nothing, right? And, you know, Trump is, meanwhile, is doing all this sort of racist stuff. And the people well, who paid was, for it was the... Yeah, what did Biden say? Yeah, what, 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 was, the, what like, was the comment? Yeah. Uh, it was uh, Hu Jintao. Yeah, that's really his name. Oof. What? <laughs> what? <Yeah>. What? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's super. Like, what? It, it's it's unbelievable. It, it, no one. Oh you my know. god! I, and, that you know, makes me so frustrated. Yeah, Joe. Because I I just get. This is just Jesus a side tangent. I I am very frustrated yeah. with uh, the lack of accountability on our side when. Uh, 
people we've like, elected that uh, been, do things. That would have been a headline, and we yeah, all would have talked about it for a day. That would have been a yep. solid week. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, you know, you know, like this is part of the election that I think most people have forgotten about now. But like, there was a point of the there was like two weeks where the entire election was Trump accusing Joe Biden of being like in the pocket of China because some business deals that mm-hmm. Hunter Biden did, and then I the Biden campaign was like, no, Trump is tied to China. It's like, yeah, both of you are rich. Like, of course, the, all of yes. them are tied to China because the rich and the Chinese and American ruling class are all friends. Like, you know, and this is like, yeah, but, but you know, the, the, the people who pay for the, like, you know, mm-hmm. you get, like, maybe, maybe you get a, a one-point pull bump, right? It's us. Like, it's Asian Americans are the people yeah. who pay for that. And, you know, it's also, also uh, like, Chinese international students and Chinese scientists. And, you know, this is broader Asian scientists, too. But it's like, we, we pay with this with our bodies, right? That that's That's the price of this, you know, this just, like, nationalist sort of... That is such a good point, how yeah. it can become a political yeah. weapon, a, something that people use that might gain them some small margin when they don't mean intend to do anything about it. But you but like, yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that. Thank you. Yeah. And, and this is this is something that, you know, w- whenever the American system goes into crisis, it does this. Um, one of the, you know, I, I partially. You know, if you, if you want to talk about sort of the Asian Americans as a sort of like buffer class, you know, it's, it's, it, a lot of the times this is part of, part of what the minority model minority myth is about, right? Is, is Asian yeah. Americans as a sort of buffer class between white people and black people, and you know, the, the British are incredible. When the, when the British start importing coolies or these basically like they're not in, they're not quite enslaved, but they're basically debt peons. They're they're so in debt and they're continued to force like they're they're in debt to the companies who import them for work, and then all yeah. their wages go back to the company. And it's kind, kind of, of an stuff. evolution of like indentured servitude, but a, with among yeah. a group of people that uh, have less sympathy in the American main, or yeah, in, in yeah the Western mainstream, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and when when the British are importing this, they're incredibly explicit. They they just straight up say this as we are importing these people as a buffer class. <laughs> I mean, they literally say this, you know, and, and you get very similar things when, when the U.S. starts importing Chinese labor, particularly the build of railroads in the 1860s and mm-hmm. 1870s. But what, one of the things that starts happening in the 1870s, there's this enormous economic collapse. And, you know, some railroad speculations is like this is, is one of the like great depressions. Um, and what you start seeing immediately is everyone goes, who do we blame for this? Oh, wait, it's Chinese people. Because, you know, there's like 70, 70, 80,000 Chinese workers in California. And so, you know, pe- people know about the, uh, t- okay, I'm not going to say all people, but, you know, some people, are, a lot of people are familiar with the Chinese Exclusion Act, which is yes. in, uh, yeah, yeah, in 1882, they, it bans all Chinese people from entering the country or holding citizenship. Um, and I always, I always bring this up. It came, what, 20 or 30 years after the United States government, because we were trying to bring in Chinese workers, complained to the Chinese government that human beings had an inherent right to change yep. their nation of origin at any yep. time. <laughs> yeah, well, but it, it's, 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 actually, it's actually worse than that, because so one of the so a lot of people talk about how that, that was the first U.S. immigration ban. It turns out it actually was not. And, and this is something that, that I, I, I found when I was looking through the data on the, 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 the reports of hate crimes. Um the it, it turned out that so I was expecting that more women would be reporting than men because of the way that sort of sexual violence works in like forming like Asian racecraft stuff. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but okay. It turns out 
that 70% of the people who reported stuff were women and 30% were men. And they didn't get responses from non-binary people or people who marked it down. But, you know, this is an, an unbelievably lopsided ratios. It's, it's uh, the vast majority of people who are, you know, having these crimes against them are women. And, you know, it turns out this, this has an historical precedence. Uh, the, so in, in 1870, there's something called the Anti-Prostitution Act. Um, and in 1875, there's another bill called the Page Act. And these, these are, you know, these are bills that are supposed to be about prostitution. Uh, it turns out what they're actually about is that the white people have decided that every single Asian woman, like every single Asian woman in, in the United States is a prostitute. Like all of them, they've decided that uh, Asian, like Asian marriage isn't real, and that yeah, all these people are prostitutes. And because they're all prostitutes, they have to deport literally all of them. And so they do. And between eighteen seventy and seventy five, and the Page Act, they ban all Chinese women from coming to uh, the U.S., which is which is the, re- the actual first immigration. Okay, so they they, they say that there's specific Wait, wording year? is this is uh it's between this happens between eighteen seventy and eighteen seventy five. Okay. Okay. Um, they. You know, and they they say it's like women coming for immoral reasons, but you know that all they they think literally all Chinese women are immoral, and yeah, so they they ban Chinese women from coming to the country, and then they de- they deport like everyone yeah. who's here, it's just like you know they they do ethnic cleansing. They're banning and, prostitutes, but also legally defining every Asian woman yeah, as a prostitute. Yeah, that's yeah, really and, and, interesting to think about in context of our current fetishization of oh, Asian yeah. women. Yeah, well, and and, and th- this ties into something that people aren't talking about but i think really should be because i don't think you can understand anti-asian violence without it which is this unbelievable wave even in in the last 10 years this has been happening like worse than before this this incredible wave of violence by the police against asian sex workers um there's there's anything about this i mean this is you keep really blowing my mind here on (laughs) on your ability to report things to us that I think most of us have not seen in the mainstream media. You yeah, know? I, I mean, just you know, thinking about the work that you've done this year, digging into it, that, that's it sounds traumatic to me that the fact that other people aren't doing this work. Well, I mean, I, I would say this. It. It, 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 there are people who are doing this. It's just that nobody talks to them. Yeah. Like a lot of the stuff I'm drawing from is information that's been drawn from an Asian sex workers collective uh, called uh, Red Canary Song who were, were – they they were formed in response to an incident I'm about to talk about, which is like one of the most horrific things I've ever read about. Uh, strong like sexual violence content warning. Uh, so in in 2016, uh, a, a sex worker and immigrant named Ying Song is raped at gunpoint by an undercover cop. Um, she goes to the police to report this. Uh, the police. You know, I wish I could say the police didn't do anything because that would have been better than what they actually did, which was attempt to coerce her into becoming an informant. Uh, she refuses, and when she refuses to become an informant, uh, they they repeatedly set up sting operations to like like on 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 her work to like drag her out and humiliate her. And I mean, this goes on for this goes on for ages. And eventually, in 2017, they they do another one of these sting operations. The police shows up and trying to escape, and she jumps out a window and dies. Oh. And, you know, yeah, you know, they, the, the police, like, very directly drove her to her death, like, after they raped her at gunpoint. And nothing, there was an investigation into this whole thing by the New, the, the hmm. New York Police Department did investigation. Uh, they cleared everyone. Like, the undercover cop who raped her at gunpoint, nothing happened to, nothing happened to any of the police involved in any of the raids. Sure, of course. Why would, I mean, all the yeah, yeah. commit rape and murder. But yeah, cops, you know, so and, and, and this, this has been happening... 
this is this this kind of stuff has been happening for ages, and in the last, I think in the last like eight years, there's been a one thousand five hundred percent increase in uh, like raids and arrests on Asian sex workers, and one of the things that they've been using this to do is collaborating with ICE and doing and using this to do mass deportations in the guise of sort of fighting trafficking. Mm-hmm. But you know, they're not fighting trafficking like like these are the people who are abusing the sex workers. It's the cops. You know, th- th- this ties into a lot of th- there's a, there's been a especially from sort of mainstream liberal Asian Americans this call for these you know they 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 want every single police department to have a hate crimes unit and they they want increased police presence and you know um Libby Shea Chef why am I blanking on uh the 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 mayor of Oakland gave this speech after one of the attacks where she said oh this is this is why we can't defund the police. Nope, because of these nope. Attacks. that's not yeah. an example of why we shouldn't defund the no. police. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of ways to look at this. One of it is that, like, the Oakland Police Department, like, their funding is the size of, like, a medium-sized military budget for, like, any other country. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know this, this is one of the most police cities in the world, and, and guess what? People are getting shot in the face with a flare gun in the streets, right? It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't do any. The cops don't care. Yeah, and, if you're spending all this money, but you're not protecting your citizens... Yeah, well, you know, it's 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 almost like as we as you know has has been demonstrated over the summer that the 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 point of the police is to kill and enslave black people and protect property, right? And you know, and occasionally on the side they do anti Asian violence, and you know, yeah, I mean, we all like everybody's got a side hustle, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's just and and you know, one of there there's there's another case of this that got also like somewhat not that much coverage. Uh, last year, there was a, a 19-year-old named Christian Hall who, and, and I, I want to put something forward here that's kind of important to talk about. He's an adoptee. A lot of people seem to think that adoptees get less racism or something because they're more uh-huh. assimilated. Uh, so he, he called the Pennsylvania police in December while having a mental health crisis. Um, the police showed up, shot him, and then published a thing about how he had a gun and was pointing it at them. There's no gun. They just murdered him in cold blood. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, none of the none of the stuff protected him. And, you know, these are the people who all of like, you know, who people who Asian American liberals are saying should protect us. Yeah. It's like, no, no, these are the same. These are the same people who are killing us. Right. You can't solve it like this. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through together or not. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. 
If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. A lot. It's the Asian American community. I know we have to work on that label because it's so comprehensive, big. But um, reporting of crimes is there a tendency to report crimes, or is there is that all packed in with part of this myth of the model minority of being yeah. good citizens and stuff like that? Because I, 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 from what I understand, there might be some cultural reticence to rock the boat. I don't know if I'm putting a fair well, words on this or whatever, but. I, I think I think there's 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 two sort of conflicting tendencies here because well, the, the model minority thing is 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 about like it's it's one specific group of Asian Americans who sort of okay, get held yeah. up as like this thing and you know they are able to enter the middle class and the professional class and yeah those people you could argue oh they don't want to rock the boat they want to report stuff uh, the reason most people don't most Asian people don't report crimes to the police is because the police hate them. And so, you know, like, this, this was the big yep. thing in New York. Like, there's, there's a bunch of Asian street vendors that the police attack constantly. I mean, just, like, beat the crap out of them. It's horrible stuff. And, you know, those people don't talk to the cops when hate crimes happen because the cops are doing hate crimes against them. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, yeah. this, and this sort of, this, this is where, you know, one, one of the, one of the, the, the really sinister effects of, of the, the sort of model minority myth is everyone, you know, it, 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 it erases the fact that an extremely large number of Asian Americans are poor, um, yeah. and that those people, you know, they have no they they basically everyone anytime they do any kind of political rising, everyone just ignores them, and everyone just sort of assumes that oh like whatever they're they're secretly wealthy or something or that you know or or it's, okay. or it's just the sort of like the rising Asian middle class or you know Asian actors who get all of the sort of attention and. You know, and, and, a, and a lot of, and th- this has been a sort of, I, I think it's been a sort of crisis in the Asian American community because, a, you know, the, that generation of professionals like, genuinely believed that they could be assimilated into American society, right? That, you know, if, if they, if they paid their dues, if they, you know, if they worked hard, right, that, and, and you know, and the, the other grim part about this is, you know, if, if they engage in anti-black violence, that that they would be protected, but you know the problem with this is that the the minority myth essentially turns Asian Americans into a stick, right? And you the, the white people use that stick to beat black people with. It's like oh, if you just worked harder, if you had the culture of Asian Americans, like uh-huh. uh, if you too had an an unbelievable amount of capital uh, from when you know people fled the uh, rise of the like the Communist Party in China, like if if you too had all of this like sort of like 
you know, they don't talk about that part, right? But it's like, you know, if, if, if you two, like, worked as hard as the Asians did, like, you wouldn't be poor. And it's like, no. But, you know, they're, they're using us as a stick, right? But yeah. fundamentally, a stick is still a stick. It's not a person. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, even if you're being held yes. above the heads of black people, like, the moment the stick is inconvenient, they're going to throw it away under a bus and you're going to snap. You become and, a tool. Yeah. 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 You're not a person. And th- a lot of people haven't realized this. And... You know, and I yeah. think there's another very grim tendency of you get you get kinds of Asian nationalism that are based on this. Where, like, if, if you remember, like the, the the riots in '92, right? One of the things you see yeah. is like, yeah. Asian shopkeepers forming these like like basically proto fascist yeah. paramilitaries. And you, then, you will th- see yeah. among the far right um, boogaloo boys and Nazis the term rooftop Koreans, yep. and yep. often with like an image of like uh, Asian business owners in Los Angeles on their roofs with rifles. Yeah, it's it's a big, um, a, a very common term that kind of unites the kind of libertarian far right with the explicitly Nazi mm-hmm. far right. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things that's scary about there's, there's a lot of things that are scary about this. One is that there are people who still want that. Right, like there, there are business owners whose thing is, like they're racist, and they look at this and go, "Our ticket, like our ticket into the American project, right, is we're gonna help the white people, like yeah. keep keep black people in line. We're gonna murder them. We're gonna we're gonna become paramilitaries. We're gonna do all of this stuff again. We're gonna frame it in the terms of sort of community self defense, blah 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 blah. But you know, they're just these 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 are just the racist nationalists who want a race war, right? They're not they're not really fundamentally different than the white nationalists. And the the second thing that's scary about this is you see a lot of people in this moment attempting to use, so attempting to use. There's there's always been a sort of there's like a you know the Asian American community is like any other community. There's always right wing currents, there's left wing currents in it. They're just you know we're people, we have different politics. Um, the the Asian American has its own men's rights movement, who are oh god yeah yeah mm-hmm. who are who are they're exactly what you'd expect from a men's rights movement but they also have this they're obsessed with the fact that like it's not just that women won't date them it's that asian women won't date them oh okay. no yeah they're awful um they suck i do not <laughs> give anyone who's doing this the time of day and but you know th- like the 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 nazi right is recruiting from these people as as the sort of mm-hmm. attacks come on they're doing it incredibly like very I've, I've seen like sort of screencasts of them doing this in very sophisticated ways because you know this the what what we're seeing right now is is the failure of the sort of like of of, of the people who genuinely believe the model minority myth of the sort of i guess you call it the assimilationist tendency or the the, the mm-hmm. tendency of you know we we can integrate with the american state and we can become wealthy together that that's collapsing and in its wake you're seeing you know the advance of the far right and you're also seeing like i get you know like you can call them tankies but that's sort of not what's going on with some of these people like there's a lot of people who've been driven basically to chinese nationalism in response to just you know the the absolute horror at the fact that we were being murdered in the streets right Mm -hmm. and that's grim in its own way because you know the ccp doesn't they don't care about us like you like the the u.s could kill every single asian american and as and as long as the and as long as the rate of returns as 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 long as rate of returns were maintained as as long as long as american capital kept flowing into china the ccp wouldn't care but there's a lot of people who genuinely believe that that if they defend the CCP, if, if the you know b- b- because they're they're also buying in fundamentally to the sort of the conflation of race, nation, state, right, yeah. and like people that that the nationalist stuff is based on, and they believe that if they can convince Americans that the CCP is good, that people won't be racist against them anymore. And 
it won't work. And it's like, I, I feel for them. Like, I really do. But that that's not going to work. That, 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 that's not the, the, act, the actual racism is sort of baked into just the, the, the core of the American project. It's, it's not something that can be changed by geopolitics. It's not something that can, you know, it's, it's not something that can be changed by that. And the CCP isn't coming to save you. Right, no one is, and that's that's an incredibly grim thing to realize. Right, that you know, sort of liberal norms aren't going to protect us. Like, there's no there's no one outside sort of coming to save us. It's just us. And yeah, it can yeah drive people to these different corners um, because it's so ineffective in doing that. Well, and that's, I think a lot of the, and we're we're getting well off the topic of of violence against Asian Americans when we get into this. But I think one of the things that is the biggest problem on the left right now is you have this tremendous amount of division that's based, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, including disinformation, but a lot of it comes down to a lot of leftists want to believe that there's someone out there who's either coming mm-hmm. to save them or who, if they emulate that nation, whatever, that party effectively enough it will save them and like it's it's i understand the desire right i understand the desire to want to think that look if we just do what the soviets did right this will fix all of our problems and it's like no there's they murdered the biggest freshwater lake uh in (laughs) in continental europe uh making bombs too like they like it didn't it it didn't save anyone there's no one coming to save us um yeah and and i think specifically with with that this is what's so depressing about the sort of chinese nationalist turn is that we tried this. We, there, there were two different left-wing nationalist parties in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one of them, you know, is the Nationalist Party, the Kuomintang, run by Chiang Kai-shek, right? And, you know, he was, like, the model of, of the, the left-wing national liberation person until, in 1927, like, there's a revolution in Shanghai, and, you know, the workers take the city, and Chiang Kai-shek goes, wait, oh, God, what do, what do, what do you mean, like, Chinese workers want their, like, want, want to be able to, like, run their own country by their own unions, mm-hmm. by their own factory councils? And he just murders them all. It was a huge massacre. And then, you know, it, it, yeah, and then, you know, by, 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 by the end of the 30s, Chiang Kai-shek is calling himself Generalissimo and is allied with, uh, allied with Hitler, right? Yeah. And then you have the CCP, and the CCP does a very similar thing. It's, oh, we, they're a left-wing group, they're a left-wing group, they're a left-wing group. And then they pivot, they ally with the U.S., they invade Vietnam, and, you know, by the time you hit now, right, there's... You know, you, you read these reports about, I mean, what, you know, what's, what are Chinese workers going through? Um, you know, I was talking, I was talking to my family yesterday and you know, there, there's an old Chinese greeting that is, uh, when you greet someone, you, you ask them, have they eaten yet? And, you know, you're, you're kind of supposed to say like, yeah, I've eaten. But like, you know, if, if you say no, like if you say you haven't eaten, like they will, you will be fed. <laughs> like, yeah. You can't get out of it. You'll, yeah, right. So, so in, in like, the, I think in like the 60s, the Maoists tried to change this to have you worked yet. And this was like a fiasco. Mm. It, it didn't work. No, no one, no one was going to walk up to someone and say, have you worked yet? Right. You don't just change something like that. Yeah. Well, but, but the, the, the grim thing is that there has been a sort of, and some of it's kind of ironic, but like people now asking each other, have you slept yet? Because, oh. China oh, has like no. It, well, it's grim. The reason they're doing <laughs> this is because China well, has a thing just... called uh, called nine nine six, which is uh, it, it's it's a work schedule where you work from nine a.m. to nine p.m. six days a week. Jesus oh. fucking Christ! Yeah, and this is why it's happening. And, and you know, and this and th- that's that's not even the worst of it. I mean, th- there's a bunch of reports about Chinese delivery drivers, right? And these people are working fourteen hours a day. 
they're making basically nothing. I mean, it's got to the point where these people started lighting themselves on fire because they, they literally couldn't take mm-hmm. it anymore because, you know, you, you, you work 14 hours a day. You can't keep your family alive. And, and then the, the company steals from you. Yeah. Right. And, but, but, you know, if you, if you look at this, right, this is, this is incredibly similar to what American delivery drivers are going through right yeah. now, many of whom are also mm-hmm. Asian, right? It's like, you know, they're, they're being they're you know, our government has decided to feed them into a pandemic, right? That's or- the, yeah, I mean, it, it's not entirely dissimilar from farmers in the Indian subcontinent drinking pesticides. Yeah, you know, as as a protest against, like it's this. It's yeah. These are well, all the results of inhuman systems forcing people into misery for profit. Forcing yeah. people to live in an unhumane, inhumane capacity. Yeah. Like that's not a sustainable uh, endeavor. Working. Yeah, like sorry, that. I. <laughs> No, it's, it, but like, you know, and th- this this is one of the most depressing things about about anti Chinese racism, anti Asian racism, and you saw this with anti Japanese racism in the eighties, where you know when, when when the American economy falls apart, you can you know you can blame you can blame the Japanese economy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, in the eighties, like, okay, the thing that destroyed the, the American economy in the eighties was that Reagan decided he he was going to raise interest rates and specifically attempting to raise unemployment to twenty percent, right? Reagan gutted the country, but you know the the, the UAW and a lot a lot of the auto workers in in Detroit who are seeing you know that they're getting blown out by sort of by, by Japanese imports. Like people people blame Japan and there's these attacks on Japanese people. Eventually, uh, this is one of the starts of the Asian civil rights movement. They murder this dude named Vincent Chin, who's not Japanese. He's just a guy, and you know. When 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 the when the sort of the the, the nascent Asian American civil rights movement goes to talk to the UAW, the the the, the head of the UAW local says, "Yeah, we'll, we'll back you because he's not he's he's not uh, Japanese, but if he was Japanese, it would be understandable." Oh, and it, it, it's 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 so depressing. It's how cynical this is, right? Like like the the this this, this is a it's a completely cynical thing by the American ruling class. It is it is at, at its core like. It is the most pure example of we can get these workers who are unemployed because the government has screwed them, because capitalism has screwed them. We can get them to blame Asians. We can get them to blame Japanese people. Right now, you, you see this with China. It's like we, we can blame China for the pandemic, right? When you In reality, mm-hmm. it was the, the American government fed half a million people to a plague. Yeah. But, you know, we can blame the Chinese for it. And, but, and it's like, and, you know, Chinese workers are suffering under exactly the... I mean, Exactly the same, but you know, in a lot of ways, worse like conditions that American workers are. But you yeah. can't get people to understand this because you know th- this this is this is one of the purposes of sort of anti Asian racism is to obscure the fact that fundamentally, you know, and I don't want to get sort of too much into the we're all in this together because you know, like there 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 there's lot there's lots of violence going on here in a lot of different ways, but like yeah. like you know the 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 factory workers who are dying in China are. There's basically no difference between them and the factory workers who are dying of plagues in the U.S. The people who are dying in meat factories, right? There's no, there's no difference between them. It's just, you know, like we're all we're all just workers getting just absolutely stamped on by a bunch of people who, you know, by 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 the parts of the U.S. and China who are having a race to see who can hit the most billionaires. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. you know. And, and you know, and the, the you know the, the the way that these sort of you call them economic contradictions are resolved is instead of doing anything about them, we kill Asian Americans. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through it together or not.
With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Everything is so dumb, 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 dumb. So, I'm not going to ask how do we solve the broader problem of, you know, how atomized the working class is globally. Um, I will ask what, what can be done, like in the face of this very immediate problem of a surge of violence in the United States against Asian Americans. Like what, what can people listening or should like, is there any, yeah, I don't know that that, that's my question. Like, what do we, I I guess have any advice? (laughs) The first thing I would say is any, anyone who's offering you a magic cure is trying to sell you something. Like there, there's a lot of people, you know, the, the, every time one of these things happens, right. There's, you know, there's all these lists of organizations and stuff and they'll mm-hmm. be like, Oh, donate to this place. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying like, you know, there are, there are people who need your money. Right. But like, you know, that, that's not going to actually solve this. Like one of the common ones is like order from Chinese restaurants. And it's like, okay, that's not, that's, that's not yeah. going to, right. You know, yeah. I, I, I would mm-hmm. argue the some of the street violence, you know, there there were solutions that were easier back in like February of last year, right? Things could have been, you know, if, if people had just like, like whenever someone on Fox News talk about a bat or like the Wuhan mm-hmm. flu, if people had just like destroy, like buried Tucker Carlson's career for it, right? Like if people had like that would have been nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, but but now, now the, like this this is probably going to continue for a while and you know i mean i could say that there have been a few sort of inspiring things that are grim in their own ways where you know people have been being attacked and like whole communities have gotten together to like show up to defend their houses right yeah and that kind of like the the only actual way out of this and this is also something that the asian the asian american community has to do which is incredibly grim but you know, we we have to actually organize ourselves, and we have to. I mean, you know, when when I say organize our communities, we have to organize everyone in our communities, right? And the, yeah, and you know, 
this is what's hard about it because a lot of the stuff that needs to be done sort of well a lot of it you know if if you want to deal with like police violence right like police violence against asian americans which is a very serious problem you know that 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 requires actual structural change in a way that you can't just sort of snap your fingers and do like you know like the like the the best you can do on that front is do what happened over the summer again but even that like didn't happen so, so i guess i guess really what i'm getting at is that there's no easy solutions to this we're pr- like it's probably going to involve things like like f- f- finding out who in your local community actually needs help and you know ask like doing escorts for like elderly asian american people um it's it, it, it's 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 gonna mean it's gonna mean having you know doing doing mutual aid is going to mean having response networks that are independent of the state because again and i cannot emphasize this enough the police don't care or you know mm-hmm. the, it, it, it's best when they don't care because most of the time they just make everything worse yeah yeah and oh. i know that's not like what the answers people are looking for but no well no. it's something though but it's the yeah it's an answer it, it's the answer and I, yeah. i'll just say for my part i feel uh, thank you for this conversation thank you so much cuz i know that this is a lot of responsibility you're talking to a bunch of white people about stuff yeah. that's very personal and we're learning and i feel really acutely aware of that and that I need, I want to be doing better on my part to be doing my research on my own independently. And I encourage all of our listeners to be doing that, to be including this perspective in our anti-racist work because it's all connected. And I think that for a long time, like, why doesn't this stuff break the surface? Well, you know, <laughs> we don't, we haven't considered, I mean, like, I know that there's been anti-Asian racism and violence and and all this stuff for a long time but you know as we're talking about uh all of these uh, race conversations this just has to be a a forefront especially right now um so i I really do appreciate your time chatting with us about it um yeah and thank you thank you for thank you for giving me a place to speak about this it's you know one of the things that was the most isolating especially like in in you know february of 2020 was that you couldn't even talk about the racism because mm-hmm. anytime you tried, everyone immediately pulled out a loyalty test and was like, are you pro or anti-CCP? And it was like, that, no, like, we're getting killed. Like, please stop this. And I'm, you know, as, as grim as everything else is, I'm, I'm glad we're f- finally getting to a place where, you know, we, we, we can actually talk about this in a way that's not sort of, you know that, that that in a way that's actually about Asian Americans and not about sort of whatever weird geopolitical alignment stuff yeah. is sort of going on mm-hmm. in the background. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. Um, I wish <laughs> I wish there was like I don't know something upbeat. Some we'll we'll positive. figure out an upbeat an upbeat. You know, thing. I, I can I, um, I can I can tell one story that was upbeat, like very okay. Upbeat. okay. Yes, please, please, please. So, so yeah. it, it, it's 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 in eighteen seventies, eighteen eighties. Uh, all of organized labor absolutely hates Chinese people, like just despises mm-hmm. them. Um, but by the time of the 1900s, though, there is one group 
exactly one union who will actually uh, who will organize Chinese workers. It is the industrial workers of the world. Hell the yeah. Wobblies. Yeah, they're the yeah, only the ones. Wobblies. Everyone else is just like screw Chinese people. But the Wobblies and the, the Wobblies are interesting because they they'll they're they're again you know they're they're the only union who genuinely believes in you know like the 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 the, the, the principles of the working class, the principles of things like workers of the world unite. Like they you know so they organize white workers, they organize black workers, they organize a lot of Mexican workers to the point where like you know they, they're they they briefly take over like a bunch of cities in Texas. And uh, in like northern northern Mexico at the beginning of the Mexican Revolution, and you know that that sort of like, that that kind of stuff, the you know that that kind of politics of sort of really radical unionism, of direct democracy, of you know in, interracial organizing, that was scary enough that the U.S. just turned its giant eradicator cannon on and was like, we need to destroy these people. They and, sure you know, did. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know, eventually they do That's this. But, they you know, do. Yeah. yeah, but like you know, the, the IWW gets credit for they're the only people who even tried. And you know, if 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 there if there had been more people now, if there were more people then who'd be, who'd been wobblies, who'd been you know willing to do that kind of work, like we wouldn't be in this mess. Mm. But you know, it it is it, like th- this kind of solidarity is something that's possible to build. Yeah, it's just extremely difficult, and it requires. You know, a, a lot of community organizing, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people pulling out chairs from meetings and writing lists and stuff mm. like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> a lot of grim, dull, painful work. Well, positive, hopeful work, maybe if we do it, though. <laughs> go out there, do some grim, dull, painful work. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I think in general we can sign these episodes off by saying "fuck the cops." Um, well, that's always, yeah, that's, that's fair. Repeat that's where fair when discussing most social issues. Tell people <laughs> where they can find you online one more time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm. So my my ad is it me chr three, but it's also it's just ice must be destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I have a Substack that I write on sometimes. It's called the Long Twenty First Century, and I also just I want to thank my friend Jack. For helping with this, Jack. You know who you are. You're great. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. Jack. Thank you, Jack. Well, all right. That's gonna bring us to an end for this episode. Um, So please, I don't know. Think about think about some shit. Just keep keep thinking about shit. (laughs) Doing things too. Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Castrol Edge can help your engine get more miles. 
Right now, you can get five quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $36.99. Get started on your next job today with the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.